<coughs> dear beloved brothers and sisters and dear listeners, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept your journey and your patience of coming and attending the dars. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, through your talab and your sincerity, allow us to share uh, such things that will be of greatest benefit to all of us in our lives. We ask Allah azza wa jal to make every step that all of you took to come to the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make it a step towards paradise, a step towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's pleasure, and many, many steps away from the displeasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I mean, <clears throat> this is a, a continuous tawfiq from Allah, istiqama, to be steadfast on something, and to be inspired to do good things, even if they are in small amounts, to please Allah azza wa jal on a regular basis, is a huge blessing of Allah. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala intends good with someone, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is pleased with someone, He gives him continuous tawfiq to walk on the path towards Him. To do something righteous and, and good once in a while is one thing. But to be blessed, to be doing something on a consistent basis, genuinely is a very, very big gift from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So those of us who have been blessed with istiqamah in this regard, anything that we do, that we do it consistently, alhamdulillah, this is a very good sign. And we ask Allah Azza wa Jal that He inspires all of us actually to remain consistent in whatever good deeds we do. And that He brings ikhlas in those actions. Ameen. Past uh, two weeks we've um, started a hadith of Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu. And I've been continuing with that inshallah. Related by Imam Tirmidhi where Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu says that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam asked who is here who will... Uh, take some advice from me, practice on it, and teach others who will practice on it. And when Abu Hurairah heard this, he said, I am willing to do that, Ya Rasulullah. So then the Prophet gave him uh, these following pieces of advice. He said, and that stay away from haram, you will be the greatest worshiper. That was the first one we completed. Two weeks ago, and then yesterday, we, or rather last week, focused uh, on generally the first portion of this hadith on just how Abu Hurairah radiallahu anhu was spoken to by Rasulullah and how we need to speak to people in giving them advice. Uh, and then a good chunk of the time was spent on speaking with our children, and especially uh, when we see our children many times, especially nowadays, uh, contrary to the past, in large numbers are becoming. Uh, difficult to deal with or disobedient uh, how, how are we supposed to address those issues Alhamdulillah we discussed that last week and now we'll move on to the next piece of advice be pleased with what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has distributed for you and you will be the wealthiest of people <clears throat> so Let's focus on this part right now. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants us to <clears throat> be content, have contentment with what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us, and this will lead to a person genuinely enjoying life. He will be rich at heart. Because as we learn from hadith, that the true wealth is not to have abundance of money only. Because there's many people who have a lot of material, materialistic things, a lot of material wealth. However, they are not content with what Allah has given them, even though it is a lot. Instead, they're constantly comparing themselves to others. And when they see what others have, immediately they feel upset that they don't have as much as others do. And then they make a bigger, a stronger, larger effort to gain more and at that time when they begin to race with one another and to have more then in that case they don't mind where that wealth is coming from whether it is halal whether it's haram whether it is permissible whether it is not permissible due to the intensity of the greed to have more than the person next door so then these individuals who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given so much you cannot call them wealthy because the purpose of wealth is to give you peace of mind the purpose of wealth is to keep you relaxed and so that you can 
focus on what is the most important things. This is, this is one big blessing of wealth that a person does not have to worry every minute about where his next morsel of food will come this evening or this afternoon. And he can use that time to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, take care of the rights of others and so forth. But one who Allah has blessed with so much but still is worried about what will happen, what will happen, what will happen. Then the end result is the same because the the idtirab and the worry of the heart is found whether a person has a small amount or large amount. And what's so interesting, the hadith of the Prophet comes to mind. He says, Man kanat dunya, man kanat dunya hammahu. Or rather, man kanat, let's start with the first one, man kanat akhirat dunyatahu. Whosoever Whoever makes akhirah his intention, focus on akhirah, wants to build his akhirah, every decision of his, it's about how will this have an effect on my hereafter. That's what the focus is on. Then Allah will reward him with three things. Number one, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make him rich and wealthy in his heart. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will put wealth in his heart, meaning wealthiness in his heart, meaning a person will feel He'll feel rich. He will feel that he doesn't need anything. He will feel that he doesn't need the people. His focus is akhirah, and he will be able to stand on his two feet, and he'll say, I, only, I have with Allah with me, he's sufficient. Ni'mal mawla, wa ni'mal nasir. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the best helper. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the best caretaker. I don't need anyone else. Whatever end result of internal happiness you would find in wealth, you'll find it with him. Who is this individual? who keeps akhirah as his intention. That's the first gift Allah will give him. Because it's nice to feel wealthy in your heart. Contentment. Then number two, Allahu lahu amra. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will put all his affairs together. All his affairs will be organized. A person will not feel disorganized, disheartened, confused. What's your purpose in life? Where are you headed? What is your mission? Why are you here? Everything is makes sense. He already knows, just like that. One, like when someone was asking yesterday, that you know, how do you keep focus in life? Or how are you supposed to keep the big goal in front of you? Because I'm studying in school, studying in college, etc. But it's kind of hard to keep. I don't know what's the goal actually. And if you don't know what the goal is, you don't know what the destination is, you're not going to be that motivated to continue on that path. That's a very important point. Really good question. People should really definitely have this figured out. Before you hit to college, for example, is what why am I why am I going to college? Or why am I going to the workforce? So Jama'allahu Lahu Amra, Allah will put all his affairs right. Everything will be organized. He will know exactly why he is doing what he's doing and he'll be content. It's such an amazing feeling to know why you exist. Such an amazing feeling to know what your purpose is behind, behind your existence. For those, alhamdulillah, who have not made their career and career paths the purpose of their existence, their careers are never the destination. They're just a journey. So, if they make it through, alhamdulillah, to their goal. And if their goal, if their, if their uh, career path, they pass away, say, before they reach the retirement age, they pass away before they could make a huge um, return on their investment of their time. They pass away so-called young. But since they have already made their journey the destination itself, and since they have already made their stay on this earth as a khalifa of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they've made that their goal. Then even if they end up leaving early from this world, they die inshaAllah as successful. Because reaching at the end, climbing to the top of the mountain, that was never the purpose. That was just the trajectory of life. But that was not the maqsad. The maqsad and the purpose is what shall happen once I leave from this world, that I enter the pleasure of Allah and the domain of the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's the main thing. So if a person has this type of goal, then even if they pass away at any time on their journey, alhamdulillah they're successful. Like students of knowledge, alhamdulillah are coming for the one-year program this weekend. 
and the students from the Arabic intensive are leaving today, yesterday, tomorrow. The hadith, one of the virtues you've heard and you will he continue to hear, and may Allah make you and I worthy of it, that whoever goes out seeking ilm, whoever leaves his home seeking ilm, then he is in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala till he comes back. And then, as long as he is in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, if he passes away, then لَيْسَ بَيْنَهُ وَبَيْنَ الْأَنْبِيَاءِ إِلَّا دَرَجَةً وَاحِدَةً فِي الْجَنَّةِ Then if he passes away, he hasn't graduated yet. He hasn't learned all the things he's supposed to learn as a scholar. He hasn't learned all those things he, he's, his family is expecting from him when he comes back. He passes away on his journey, then between him and the prophets in Jannah will be one level. One level. Between him and the Anbiya. Because this path of ilm itself is the destination. You studying the ilm, you making the sacrifice of leaving your home to come to study, your parents making the sacrifice to come and send you out in, his path, in, in Allah's path, that is already mission accomplished. That even, you, you don't have to give a single khutbah. You don't have to give a single dars yet. You don't have to teach a single person yet. You're still just the beginning of your decade-long journey or middle or halfway or quarter or whatever it may be. But the virtue is such that if a person passes away at this state, then between him and the prophets is one level in Jannah. Imagine subhanAllah what will happen when this person completes his journey and then with sincerity serves Allah's deen for decades. Imagine inshaAllah what type of ajr Allah has kept for this individual. And how lucky are those students of knowledge who Allah has accepted not to walk here or drive here or fly here on the road, but rather they have come here walking on the wings of the angels. That the angels are spreading their wings for a ridan li ilm to please and to honor a student of knowledge. So a person who knows where he is headed and what his maqsad and the purpose is, he will always feel happy and he will always feel content based on this yaqeen and this conviction that I know where I'm going in my life and why I'm going there. This is a really big blessing. Where does this blessing come from? This blessing also comes from deen. You learn ilm for this intention to learn your purpose in life. مَنْ رَبُّكْ مَا what is your, who is your Lord? What is your religion? And what do you say about the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam? Knowing the answers to these questions is why you and I are here. Even in this dars, we should make intention that we're here as a talib al-ilm, not as a passing by person who just happened to sit. So let's just see what's going on over here. No, don't make that intention. Make yourself a talib al-ilm. Make yourself a student of knowledge, a seeker of knowledge. Talib, seeker. I've come here. And if with my ilm, one of the greatest things I can hopefully achieve is to understand and realize my mission in life. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala put, makes him rich at heart. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala puts all his affairs together. And then lastly, أَتَتُ dunya وَهِيَ رَاغِمَةً Dunya will come to him disgraced. Dunya will come to his feet disgraced. This is the promise. This is what Rasulullah is telling us shall happen. For the one who makes akhirah his focus. My brothers and sisters, people are worried about the dunya. Say, I want to ensure that I live a comfortable, successful, materialistic life. Okay, well, this is what this hadith is telling you. You make akhirah daniya and you'll get everything. Make akhirah daniya and you'll get everything. Someone who is, who comes to a uh, university comes to a madrasa again and he says I'm worried where I'm going to eat from where I'm going to sleep what's going to happen so the university for example huge campuses that you have they have students who are dorming there they have students who are eating there all the meals and madrasas of course across the globe have that same system you have places to eat all this and sleep comfortably everything is there but you have to be a student of knowledge person who's passing by randomly there's no place for him to sleep in the dorms. There's no place for him to eat in the dorms or in the kitchen. 
He, he has not have access to that. So a person who comes in and in the madrasa and he's always asking, but where am I going to eat from? Where am I going to sleep? Please tell me. Say, brother, you are, if you are enrolled in the madrasa and you do your job as a student, you have nothing to worry about. You get your three meals and you get your place to sleep. What else you want? But if you keep on asking this question and you don't enroll yourself in the madrasa and you don't study or you enroll but you don't show up, then you will lose these privileges. Then you have to go on your own and sort things out. Figure out where are you going to sleep and where are you going to have your next meal. This was uh, one huge blessing of the madrasa system that we graduated from and which is provided over here as well is that all of your needs will be taken care of. And your job and our job was simply to go study. Study. Don't here sit there. Laundry is taken care of. Bed and locker is taken care of. Pillow and, and also taken care of. Many times blankets also taken care of in the summer, in the winter. Uh, doctor is taken care of. Free medicine available. Free doctor's visit. Right? Uh, uh, three meals a day. Alhamdulillah taken care of. If a person does not have money to purchase toilet paper, purchase basic necessities, a stipend is given. Main thing is that you just study. After that, every single thing else will be taken care of. This is how millions, not thousands, millions of tulab al-ilm study across the globe. Uh, alhamdulillah, in, our, in the madaris across the globe, businessmen, etc. set these things up and people come and they have a wadifa, their job is not to earn money, their job is not to go cook food, their job is not to, to do anything else. The job is sit here and study and everything else will be taken care of. Everyone plays their role. But you have to play your role. If you don't play your role, then you're not welcome to be in that, in that school. Similarly, the one who plays his role in this dunya, that Ya Allah, I love you, and I will obey you, and my life is subservient to your wishes, and you want me to focus in the akhirah, so here I am. I will focus on building a beautiful abode for myself and for as many people as possible in the akhirah. I will, I will make an effort to establish your laws on this land. I will make an effort to establish the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ on this earth. If you do this, Allah is saying, I, I have you, I got you, I got you. all your affairs taken care of. I will bring dunya at your feet. As the example is given of the sun. That you, when you say the sun being the source of apparent source of energy and light and heat, warmth and so many other blessings. When a person runs towards the sun that I want more light, right? And it goes towards that light, you know, goes, or rather I should say, a person is in, enamored by the sun and he's just thinking, looking on the ground and he sees a shadow. And he says, okay, I am going to run after the shadow <laughs> to catch up to it. And he will go around the entire earth seven times, for example. He will never be able to catch up to his shadow. But on the flip side of it, if he turns his back to the shadow and begins to look at the source of this light and darkness, where did the shadow come from? Because I'm in between something. The sun is, I'm blocking the rays of the sun reaching the ground. So forget this shadow. I am going to go turn, go back to the source of this light, which is the sun. You turn around and you start walking towards the sun. This shadow will literally come to your feet. And now once again, you go, you say, get out of here. You go around seven rounds around the world and the shadow won't let you go. We'll keep on running after you, running after you, running after you. And you say, I don't want it. You kick it. It won't go away. You do whatever you want. It'll come at your feet. The source of all khair and goodness in this dunya is Allah. The source of all khair and goodness is in, the, in the akhirah is Allah. When a person's heart is connected with Allah, when a person is focused towards Allah, Allah Azza wa Jal, you and I have to have this conviction. Allah will bring the dunya to our feet. My beloved brothers and students and mothers, please understand this point. No one wants, the deen does not want you to suffer. Allah Himself says, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants ease for you. He does not want difficult for you. If Allah wanted, He could have put you into great difficulty. But He didn't. 
He doesn't want to put you through difficulty. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to, chooses to, wishes to make things easy for you. Khafif, light. And many other verses similar to this in the Quran and virtue and, and a hadith about deen being easy. And life, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Man amida saliha min dhakarin untha wa huwa mu'min fala nuhiyannahu hayatan tayyiba. Whoever leads, a, whoever leads a life of iman and good deeds. Iman and good deeds. Whether you are a male or a female. Fala nuhiyannahu hayatan tayyiba. Allah says, most definitely. Allah doesn't need to emphasize it, but He's doing it. He's emphasizing it. He's using uh, the words of emphasis. The lamb there. And that noon, mushaddad, at the end. Most definitely we will give him hayatun tayyiba, an enjoyable life. We're not talking about the hereafter yet. Right here in this world, Allah is guaranteeing you will have a great life. You will have an enjoyable life if you do two things. If you have faith and you do good deeds, then this is a guaranteed from Allah that you will be happy, you will have a good life. Hayat al tayyibah. And Allah Azza wa Jal will give the very best rewards in the hereafter. For all the best things that we did, we will all be rewarded for that. So this yaqeen and conviction must take place in our hearts. We can, this is Islam and Iman. Islam and Iman is not just about praying Fajr Salah right now here, which is huge, alhamdulillah. But it's beyond that. It's internally, where does Allah fit in your paradigm? Where does Allah and the deen fit in your whole structure of your, of your schedule and of your life? This point has to come, that if we lose our faith, then we're done. It's no matter what we gain. When we speak about the past few weeks I've been speaking across the Chicagoland area in different masajid about the schooling system and the syllabus for our uh, elementary, junior high and high schools the, la- the latest new uh, you know, mandated, state mandated curriculum that has inter- been introduced into public schools here and what is expected for every single child to know as they move from first to second to third to fourth grade the, the metrics for that is not only arithmetic and science and history but actually it's been unveiled of how at every single grade how much should a child know about LGBTQ and how much should they be accepting and be aware of aspects of gender fluidity and dysphoria and everything else this is now checkpoints by the end of first grade you can go search what I'm telling you you'll read it yourself they actually have like color charts by the end of first grade this by the end of second grade this by the end of third grade this fifth grade this this is how much Tahrif, this is how much maskh should happen of the mind. This is how many, this is how a person's foundation should be destroyed every single year. When you have that type of system, that no one's, it's no hidden agenda. It's very clear cut. This is the usul, this is the principles by which we, we abide by. This syllabus is going to run on that. And all those uh, concerned moms and dads, Muslim or non Muslim, who are um, uh, trying to. F- remove, protect their kids from, because my children love to go to the library, I'm sure many of your kids enjoy going to the library, so when you go to the library you don't want them to, you don't want them to go learn, you don't want them to come back destroying their sense of Islamic identity, human identity destroying their sense of haya, confusing them about life, you don't want to have they're not advanced mature boys and girls in college these are first, second third graders so now parents, naturally, were protesting some of these horrible material that was found in libraries across the state and beyond. And they pushed, pushed libraries to please, you can keep it, keep it in an adult store. We don't care, no one's coming and trying to close down the stores. We're not going protesting there. You do whatever you want, you keep your own regions. There's drug dispensaries, there's alcohol stores, there's bars, there's fulan, fulan clubs. Who is trying to go close them all down? We're simply seeing a public place where my little son or daughter, three, four, five-year-old goes, keep this filth out of there. You want to keep something for adults, for who want, are interested, do whatever you want, but please have mercy on my little kids. And so when certain libraries began to p- remove these this filthy books, what happened? They protested, certain individuals protested, and now the state 
has signed a law this year. This year, now from I think September, it's going to go into effect. That any library that it removes any book off of its shelves due to the pressure from patrons will lose all state funding. Will lose all state funding. So now you can put any, as much protest as you want. Which library can afford to lose the state funds? And so in Portland, when I was visiting two years ago, there was a, uh, a conference for all that same weekend for all libraries across America. Huge three day conference. The admins, head librarians, and so forth probably had come there. So one of the local brothers there told me that the entire agenda for this weekend is how to properly place LGBTQ books in the library. Where it should be placed where it have maximum exposure. And what are the books uh, that need to be chosen for that. So it's not something that anyone is hiding. This is the very clear cut, uh, obvious agenda. But when you speak about this to parents sometimes, about take care of your young children, get involved, know what they're studying, know what they're, what they're being exposed to. And if you cannot make a change and you cannot protect your kids, little ones especially, who maybe end up getting confused, especially with, it's not just discussions, there's actually picture books. It's actually what? Pictures, diagrams. This is XXX material. Not even normal, sane, clean adults, you know, human, would, would be involved in this type of discussion. It would make you sick out, gross out. And now you're showing this to junior, uh, elementary school kids. SubhanAllah, so we have to come up with options. This is what I've been speaking about in the past six weeks or a month in different masajid, is that we have to come with different solutions. If you cannot solve it, you cannot address it properly, then at least start considering other options. Other options would be homeschooling. Other options would be Islamic schools. Other options would be uh, you know, co-ops of, of, of some sort. Or establishing Islamic learning centers where people come and spend three, four hours together uh, and get their studies done. Children. It could be run by volunteers. It could be run by parents. It could be run by one higher teacher. We have to look at options for making alternative education cheap and affordable. Not cheap, but nothing's cheap. Affordable. Affordable to everyone. Affordable to everyone. And along with that, it needs to be available for everyone. Not to say we have a waiting list for the next six years. It doesn't work like that. The ummah is, is dying. The ummah is, is, the children are being made kuffar. And we cannot be sitting there with saying that if you don't have thousands of dollars, it's not going to work. And if you, uh, if you, uh, you're going to have to wait four years to, to get in. This is not feasible. We have to come up as a community and offer options that are readily available for any concerned parent who says, I want to save my child from this. There should be an option. And if we work together, options can be created. Every masjid I envision the way you should have a Qur'an evening class, maktab. Similarly, should have a, an Islamic learning center. Every masjid should have a space where the local children of the community can come and take their classes. They're through their online schools, but in the masjid. Why in the masjid? Because children nowadays, they, many of them, I'm not saying all of them, many of them do not have, say, siblings. They don't have playgroups. They don't have friends next door neighbors. They don't have a, a large amount of relatives around them. So then to study online for them and their parents do not have the bandwidth to keep them engaged. If you do all of these, mashallah, no problem. But they say you don't have any relatives, no friends. And you have, your parents don't have the bandwidth to keep you engaged. Don't have the ability to keep things going, activities. Then they might not be as motivated to do this. That's why the masjid provides a beautiful solution where you have similar age children taking their classes together. And they create their own friendship amongst themselves. And they pray Salatul Dhuhr together. They have lunch together. They, they do activities together. It's not a full-blown Islamic school. It's a learning center. But alhamdulillah, you have a good environment of, of, of similar-minded parents, similar-minded children. So this is something which I've been asking communities to look into. But what I'm saying is that when, when, when we say this, if a person, many times the knee-jerk response is, brother, I want my son to become a doctor. 
And I said, who said, you can't? I wanted my son to become an engineer. Who said he can't? As soon as they hear homeschooling, all of a sudden, this is the immediate knee-jerk response. Is that my son will, or my daughter, will, will suffer uh, in this dunya. And they will have, they will lose their ability to join a professional school, graduate as a professional, and so forth. You know, there is a level of respect we have to have for the discourse. That is why there were certain ulama when they were speaking about the sunnah of Rasulullah they would say that if you're speaking about the, the, the Prophet for example, like squash, or the Prophet would, would eat, of course, olives, or would eat dates. You're sharing something. The, the level of respect we have to have for this discourse means that a person should not say, oh, I don't like dates. Oh, I don't like this. This is regarded as absolute disregard and disrespect to Rasulullah Maybe you don't like it. It's fine. This is not the time to talk about it. Because you are pitting yourself immediately against what I just said about the Prophet that he was like this. And you say, I don't want that. I don't like that. You don't have to like naturally every single food item that he, for example, he ate. Naturally. Maybe you'll force yourself like uh, olives, maybe not. It's, it's an acquired taste. But if you're eating it because it's mentioned in the Quran, you're eating it because, it's, uh, because it was something that was found in the diet, alhamdulillah, you'll get ajr for it, extra ajr. But if you don't, that's fine. What I'm trying to say is when you're speaking about something, be careful, be aware of the discourse, and don't immediately respond in a manner that will be taken out of, uh, that will be regarded as disrespect. Because some of the scholars would regard this as almost blasphemous that if someone were to say something that the Prophet ﷺ like this and did this and you immediately res- uh, uh, respond by saying I don't like that that this would almost seem as outright clear disrespect to the Prophet ﷺ, which is not unacceptable similarly when we're speaking for an hour about what's happening in our schools to our kids not now, I mean saying in other places and are the first immediate responses, are you seriously telling me I'm going to pull my children out of public school and, and make them uh, materialistically failure, failures in society and uh, make them lose everything? What does that tell us? That question needs to be rephrased. It should not be said in this manner because when you say it in this manner, it sounds as though you're saying, uh, Iman, Haya, okay, it's alright, man. What I, fo- what I need to know is where's, where's the dollars? The dollars and cents is what I care about. Iman and Haya, secondary. That's not the way a believer thinks. The believer says, if my children's Iman is under attack, if my children's Haya is under attack, I will fight tooth and nail to protect them at all cost. I'm 60 years old, maybe. I'll work an extra two jobs. I will do whatever, but I cannot allow my children to lose their faith or to lose their hayat. That's the response. So you can start saying, how do we make these homeschooling systems successful? Well, of course, we have a massive history of homeschooling in this country, of alternative schooling. It's happening for uh, not decades, for centuries. You have it from all the way from the 1800s. Look into that. Why did I go onto this, this tangent here? It's simply about the idea is that a believer, he has to always be thinking about the akhirah. It's not about just coming for salah and sitting in a dars and mashallah sitting for some dhikr or whatnot. No, it doesn't like, it's not like that. It's your whole world view has to be such that akhirah over dunya. Akhirah over dunya. Man ahabba dunya adarra bi akhiratihi. Woman ahabba akhiratahu adarra bi dunya. Fa'akhiru ma yabqa ala ma yafna. Whoever loves his dunya, he shall harm his hereafter. Whomsoever loves his hereafter shall harm his dunya. So give preference to the everlasting over the short-lived. Give preference to the infinite one over the finite one. Meaning you cannot eat the cake and have the cake. Sorry, it doesn't work like that. And so we, our commitment to the akhirah becomes very clear when these type of discussions happen. When people will immediately say, Brother, everything is nice and dandy, but where's, what's going to happen about this? We'll figure it out. No one said, 
Have the trust, my friend. Have the trust. You are trying to provide an alternative system for your kids to save their iman and Allah is going to make you on purpose suffer? Come on. Like have some good hopes about Allah. Have some good expectations from Allah. Ahsinu adhanna billah. Have some good hopes about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Look what the deen teaches us. You, you worry about your, your children's akhirah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will definitely, along with that worry, will take care of your dunya. No one is saying, don't prepare them for the dunya. But we're saying, keep that the focus. The flip side of it, وَمَنْ كَانَتِ الدُّنْيَا هَمَّهُ And whosoever's concern and fikr is dunya. Hum, all he cares about any conversation, where's the box? What's going to happen about money, money, money? Not about my son, subhanAllah, when is he going to learn how to? Huh? When is he going to learn how to, subhanAllah, recite Quran properly? When is, he, when is she going to learn what it means to be a Muslim? If my son or daughter is asked, what does Islam say? Why, do you, why does Islam say LGBTQ is not correct? Well, what is our opinion and why is our opinion about this, on tra- not opinion, rather, what is our belief system on transgenderism? What am I going to say? What, is, what does Islam say about this issue and that issue? If my son and daughter do not know about that, whose fault is that? Think about that. So, but the people are not worried about it. The fikr is dunya. The Prophet says, the one whose fikr is dunya, three things will happen. <clears throat> Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will put poverty right between his eyes. It will be dangling all the time. He'll have all the money of the world maybe. But because internally his heart is so focused on dunya, he will always be worried about the next meal or the next decade or the next year. Always a fear. What if I lose? But mashallah, Allah is giving you a big home. Oh, what if, what if I lose this? Allah is giving you a car. What if I fall behind in payments? All the time just worried about losing. Allah will make, put, bring faqr in front of his eyes. Number two. Shattat Allahu amrahu. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make all his affairs of his life disorganized. Especially vision purpose and mission in life he has none it's all over sometimes he'll say this sometimes he'll say that no clear cut clean developed chain of thought that makes sense that this is where you're headed this is what your maqsad in life is it's about I'm trying to, I'm trying to do well in school so what what do you want to do after that so I can get into a good college so then so then I can line up a good internship so then so that I can land up with a good job so then so I can make a lot of money so then I can purchase my first house and then my second home my summer one. And then what? And then, you know, get my kids through school. Well, where is this going? This is like a circular thought. Like, where you, where, well, then what? Then, he's, then, then, then you're going to die? That's, that's it? That's not a very refined thought process. You're just telling me of the road. I mean, like someone says, where are you headed? You're going from here to Florida, mashallah, by road. Right? So you're going to be taking the highway. And if someone asks you every hour, brother, where are you at? You say, I'm on... Uh, you know, I-80 or 57 or whatever the case may be to get there, which is, I don't know what to take by road there. Huh? Yeah, we just get on a plane and go. But if you, if you keep on going, you keep on talking about the highways, he'll say, but where you, every hour he calls you and you keep on saying, I'm going on this highway and then this highway and this highway. Does that answer the question? You keep on explaining to him what mile marker you're going through. That doesn't, I said where you're headed. You're supposed to say, I'm going to... Florida or I'm going to a specific city in Florida that answers the question but you reading out to me the mile marker how does that help this is the same thing boy what's your purpose success in school then success in college then success in internship this is not an answer that is exactly your mile marker at the moment where you are in life that is not your maqsad but that's how the world thinks the ones who don't have akhirah as their goal that's how they answer so Allah makes all his affairs disorganized he doesn't even know, if you don't know where you're headed, how can I expect you to have an, a, a, a successful life when you don't even know where you're going? And number three, He will not get from the dunya except that which was already destined for him after all of this running around. A beautiful example of this is a bucket of water. You have a bucket of water and you make one hole in it at the bottom. What will happen? Your water, whatever amount of water is in that bucket will come out. Now you take and drill another hole, and another one, another one. Soon you've got 10 holes at the bottom of this bucket. Now you've got from 10 places water coming out. Now tell me, at the end, once it's all said and done, 
the amount of water that comes out of ten holes and the amount of one hole is same or more? Same. Whatever was in there is gonna come out. You're not gonna get more. By adding more holes and making such an effort of drilling more holes does not increase the amount of water that's in the bucket. Similar to that is our risk. What is written for us shall come. With hook or crook. Not only do you have to go after it, your sustenance is going to chase after you. Just like death chases after a person, sustenance chases after a person. No nafs can ever die until it completes the risk that has been allotted to it. Hadith of the Prophet Right? No nafs can die until it has completely gr- taken all the risk that's written for us. So be easy to be nice in your seeking of sustenance. Don't kill yourself in it. Don't overdo it that you neglect your spouse and your children, your parents, your siblings. Don't overdo it that you end up neglecting the orders of Allah, the sunnah of the Prophet And then have tawakkul. Have reliance upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. To my knowledge, this is the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, which is mentioned in many khutbas by our, uh, by our khatibs. Have reliance upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in your seeking of, of, of rizq. Okay, so th- let's go over this hadith again. Three and three. The one who makes akhirah his niyyah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make all his affairs organized. Allah will make him rich at his heart. And number three, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make dunya come to his feet like that shadow. Come into your feet. And number two, the one who is focused and worry, ham, 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 ham means hammun wa ghammun. It means your worry, your worry. Notice over there is niya. Man akhiratu niyatahu. Subhanallah. That whatever you're doing, you're thinking about the akhirah. You don't have the means. You don't have the money right now. You don't have the uh, the the physical strength to go for hajj. You don't have the money to build a madrasa or a masjid or an orphanage or whatever. But your niya is the akhirah. Don't worry. As long as your niyyah is the akhirah and you do not have the means right now to fulfill your dreams of the akhirah, it's alright. As long as you are sincere in your intention, you'll get the reward. Do you understand? As long as you are sincere. So that's why a security guard of a madrasa uh, who's beginning, maybe getting paid very little money stands there, an old man standing there with his stick. You know, I'm talking about overseas, of course. Then, but he looks at all these little kids going into the masjid, into the madrasa to study, and they're graduating as ulama. He's an old baba. He's been there for 60 years. He's been there for two decades. I promise you, him just by looking at these kids and saying, Allah, you know, I, I can't even read Surah Fatiha properly because I'm so old, I never learned Tajweed. I'm just doing security here. But I, lo- I love all these people who are studying the deen. One day, inshallah, I'll study. One day, I'll have my kids and grandkids study. One day, I'll even open up a business and then build a madrasa like this. That's it. He's sitting there getting paid peanuts and sitting all day just being you know, a gatekeeper. Inshallah, he's going to get the edge of all of this based on his what? His niyyah. Because the niyyah is akhirah. So now just by making sincere niyyah, Allah Azza wa Jal, inshallah, will give him that ajr even though he doesn't have the means to do it. That's what I'm trying to say. And the flip side of it, if the dunya is the fikr, three things will happen. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will put, make him r- poor for no reason. Like he's not even poor. But he'll be always acting like he's poor. Because he'll always be worried, worried, worried. That's the sign of poverty. Always worried. But what's going to happen next? Number two is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make his affairs disorganized. And number three, after all of that running around, only as much as dunya was written for him, will be the, will, he will receive that. My experience, when I, whenever I share this hadith, I remember many, many, many years ago, I was teaching some students uh, some al Quran over the summer. When the summer, when the program ended, there was one one boy who was very um, very smart, and he had memorized within those few weeks of summer more than anyone else. And he was definitely ready to go become a full time Hajj student. And then there was another boy, who unfortunately was not that focused. And also possibly not that capable of memorizing Qur'an. He just didn't have that level of intelligence or discipline to do that. After three months, you know, you can, you can figure things out. So now I had to meet the parents of the boat. The summer program was ending. The first parent 
the, the first child, who was definitely full-time Hiv's material. His father was definitely the, wealth, the wealthiest of the whole crew. <clears throat> was a very, was a sub-specialist, mashallah, and, you know, making hundreds and hundreds of thousands. So when I sat down with him and I told him, mashallah, your son is great and he's got great potential. I think he should definitely be put into a, you know, Hiv's program for two years or however many years, one and a half year, one year, two years, three years. And uh, you, as for all of you who already know, when you're doing Hafs, you also study an hour or so of schooling. So mashallah, when a student graduates from the Hafs program, they go right back into the school that they're supposed to, the grade. This is what we've been running this madrasa, alhamdulillah. About 150 boys and girls have graduated from the Hafs program here. Alhamdulillah, people go right back to where, where they started, or where they're supposed to be, I mean. So I explained to him, and he said, no, no, no way. Thank you, but no thank you. Absolutely not. I said, well, why? He's in sixth grade. And he, you can finish by Hafs by the time he's ninth. Go to ninth grade. And immediately this person began to say that what, he will fall behind in college. He'll fall behind in college. And I don't want to ruin his future. I tried to reason with him, but he didn't understand. I said, forget, forget college. He won't even fall behind in high school. He will actually be ahead. Those of you us who, are, who come from families of Hafal and who are friends of Hafal or you're Hafal yourself, Alhamdulillah, you know exactly. Aynul Yaqeen. You've experienced it yourself. You know what I'm speaking about. So he said no. And I was thinking in my heart that this person, Allah has blessed him so much money that immediately right now, today, also he could, if he already has investments, he can make a specific investment for his son. And if his son were to never go earn money, all he would just go is study ilm his whole life, he would be able to easily, easily raise his family without having ever having to worry about how to pay the bills. He could dedicate him, make him walk for the deen. But unfortunately, he deprived his son of memorizing the Quran because of the faqr that he was afraid of. The next person, when I spoke to his dad, I said, your son is, is not doing so well. Please, you know, you, you, um, inshallah, you go back to school. Maybe just do the summers. This person used to work minimum wage in a factory. And I actually saw his house, I saw his car. The house was a teeny tiny home. And a, a car that would sometimes just break down coming to the madrasa. Where I was teaching, not over here. This is another place. So when I sat down, I spoke to him. He said, no, Sheikh, he is going to do hifs. He's not going to do hifs only. He's going to become an alim also. And he's going to become a scholar and a mufti also. I have decided that my sons are, and kids are buck for the deen. And then I'm like, man, you have such a difficult life in terms of finances. You're working hourly pay in a factory. This son, at least he cannot memorize Quran, but inshallah, you know, he'll do well in school and he'll be able to earn money and support you. Right? That's what I'm thinking. But he's saying complete opposite. And then you know what he told me? He said, I have no education, no background, or I have such a low-paying job, and Allah has not kept me hungry once. Allah has provided for me a house and a car and food. You think if I put my son to study the deen, Allah is going to make him poor? Allahu Akbar. Allah is going to deprive him of food when he's never deprived me of food and clothing and a house. I have no deen or dunya, but my Lord is so kind to me, He provides for me. If I make my son a dedicated student of knowledge, why would Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make his life more difficult than mine? MashaAllah. Every time I share this hadith, I remember that. Those two parents. Right? Rahimahullah, rahmatan wasiyah. This person who, who, had the, who used to work in the factory, he passed away. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala fill his grave with nur. And actually, mashaAllah. Alhamdulillah, Allah provided for him such that he ended up, we performed hajj together many, many years later. Alhamdulillah. <clears throat> but it's, 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 I think, a beautiful manifestation of this hadith. Uh, and it teaches us a lesson that my brothers and sisters, it's all in your heart. It's in your mind. We have to, when we say we love Allah, we truly are believers, then you got to go all the way, brothers. We got to go all the way. You have to have tawakkul. You have to have trust. You have to believe in the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ. You have to know if you study the deen, that doesn't mean you're going to be, Allah forbid, eating out of the garbage dump tomorrow. If your children study the deen, that they're going to be begging on the streets. Who says these? These type of statements are people whose trust on Allah is weak. 
Honestly speaking, you might not like what I'm saying. But I'm telling you, if you don't agree with me, fine. But this is what I ended after studying the Quran and Hadith. This is the solution. This is the, uh, uh, this, uh, the conclusion I've arrived at. Which is very easy. That if you make the Akhirah your focus, that doesn't mean you cannot go earn a living outside. No one said that. No one said don't get a professional career. No. But make sure on the, pro, on the journey, you do not lose your deen. That's all we're saying. Don't lose your haya. Don't lose your iman. Don't lose your scruples. Don't lose your values. Let us go back to the hadith, the second portion of the five hadith that we said. Simply be content with what Allah has given for you, distributed out to you. You will be the wealthiest of people. When you realize what my life is right now, what I have, is what Allah has destined for me. And guess what? The entire forces of the world put together cannot change the decree of Allah. All the humans and the jinns put together. My grandparents, great-grandparents, seven generations above, and seven generations after me, put together cannot change the decree. So then how dare I be displeased with what Allah has destined for me? Ridha bil qada. We will be happy and pleased with the decisions of Allah. Then you will be happy with your life. As one scholar was asked, how does the world run? He said, the world runs the way I want it to run. They said, wow, that's a very arrogant statement. What is it supposed to mean? The world runs the way I want it to run. He said, no, I've decided that the world is of course running the way Allah runs it. And I have told myself that, Ya Allah, whatever you do, I'm happy with. So what the world runs based on what Allah wants, and, I, and I'm happy with whatever Allah runs. So the world runs the way I want it. And it's, 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 you know, it's a kind of a riddle, but it's, there's depth to it. They say, this is what you call taslim, istislam, ridha bil qada. Alhamdulillah, I'm going to make my full effort. And whatever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then decides for me, I'm not going to complain about it. I'm not going to complain about it to people. Yes, you're by all means, you can make lots of dua to Allah. Ya Allah, please improve my condition. Ya Allah, please change this. That's what you, you and I are supposed to be doing. But we're not going to walk around, a'udhu billah, you know, doing a smear campaign against Allah. And say, why didn't Allah azawajal give me this? Why didn't Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give me that? So this is the second of five pieces of advice. Become pleased with what Allah has distributed for you and you'll be the wealthiest of people. And Abu Rasulullah told Abu Anhu, who's going to take from me these five things? He's going to learn it and teach and teach those who will practice on it. So let us all inshallah make this intention that through the barakah of Abu Anhu, we're learning this hadith. And that we will become from amongst those people who will practice on it. The first one we did last week was ittaqil maharim, takun abdul nas. Stay away from haram and you will be the greatest worshipper. And now this one was be content with what Allah has distributed for you and you will be the wealthiest of people. Inshallah. Let's take some any uh, questions. Brothers here have answer a few minutes of questions before we do sadhikr. Any questions? <clears throat> and uh, we'll, we'll do dhikr for a few minutes you can do dhikr in your heart silently completely or you may do dhikr with an audible tone there are many many forms of dhikr and a person may do so dhikr out loud or softly a person may do dhikr collectively or individually and the Quran says kathira. remember Allah abundantly that's the main thing however you do dhikr just constantly be doing dhikr through your tongue and your heart and your mind. Always try your best to be in the form, in the state of dhikr. Dhikr includes recitation of the Quran. Dhikr includes saying subhanallah, alhamdulillah, la ilaha illallah, akbar istighfar, salawat upon the Prophet Dhikr includes dua. Dhikr includes contemplating on the greatness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. All of this is part of dhikr. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also specifically in the Quran speaks about bukrata wa ashiyah. Remembering Allah Azza wa Jal in the morning and the evening. That's why after Fajr and after Maghrib is an ideal time for us to sit and, or, uh, or after Asr, uh, to sit and, and do the dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this manner. May Allah allow us to do this at home also regularly. <coughs> Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. 
لا إله إلا الله محمد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم لا إله إلا الله 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 محمد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم صلى الله على محمد 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 صلى الله عليه وسلم استغفر الله 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 الذي لا اله الا هو الحي القيوم واتوب اليه couple announcements before we begin our dua uh, inshallah we'll uh, continue with a new surah starting from this tuesday night for our weekly tafsir and then on Thursday nights, of course, after Salat al-Maghrib, we have our Salawat pro- program. And on Saturday mornings, we have our uh, Teskiyah Dars. Inshallah, from next week, we'll have, with more students and Fajr also being delayed, we'll have, inshallah, a larger breakfast as well. As with summertime, many brothers were traveling. Now, alhamdulillah, people are coming back and students are coming back as well. So we are looking for sponsors for that. So whether you are here or listening online, please consider sponsoring one breakfast. Inshallah, you can contact us and you can become a host 
and invite your family and friends along with uh, you don't have to cook the food if you want to mashallah that'd be great but if not you can uh, uh, have the masjid purchase it for you from wherever and inshallah you'll get the edge out of all those who come to the house of Allah Azza wa Jal and eat and spend the rest of their weekend in a very productive manner imagine this is how you begin your week weekend this is a great way to start your weekend early morning Saturday and then you got full the next two days to inshallah productively um, do uh, beneficial things um, additionally inshallah next weekend a week from now our two programs will be starting on Sunday will be the Sunday school for ages 6 to 16, ages 6 to 16, from 10 a.m. to Luhar Salat, when uh, we use the Nasiha curriculum, we have all of our, all the teachers are either graduates of the seminary or they are advanced students of the seminary. So alhamdulillah, your sons and daughters, your little kids, inshallah, will be, uh, will enjoy the company and the knowledge of, uh, of full-time students of knowledge or ulama, both on the female side and the male side. Alhamdulillah, we have alimat teaching graduates of uh, programs uh, alhamdulillah, of seven, eight-year programs, on, on, alhamdulillah, teaching our children. This is a huge blessing because many times, unfortunately, we don't have access to teachers, good teachers. So alhamdulillah, here you have uh, uh, access to great teachers who are knowledgeable and can connect with the kids as well. So please, if you are local, get your sons and daughters enrolled in the Sunday program, Sunday school. Secondly, we have an adult program that has been happen- taking place since January of 2014 obviously new classes being offered it's a four year program it's called the Tafim weekend program it start, it's about studying Islamic studies part time and these are classes offered every semester Saturday or Sunday you can choose any one track and in a matter of four years you'll complete all 24 classes that are offered this is the only academic program at Darussalam that is offered online as well and this of course Durus here in the front of the masjid is offered online but a class the only class that's offered is the Tafim program so anywhere from the country or the world if you're listening you can join these classes they are all recorded as well you can join live instruction or you can listen to the recordings afterwards this semester we'll be having three classes taught on Saturday the fiqh of salah part one the surahs of salah meaning this is the tafsir of the, the surahs that are usually recited abundantly in the Quran in, in salah the last ten surahs and surah fatiha and number three purification of the heart this is the kitab of Imam, book of Imam Ghazali called Al-Arba'een Fi Usul al-Din. And this book will be taught, inshallah, 10 a.m. to 1.20 p.m. And this class will be taught by Mufti Nu'man Khan, who is, alhamdulillah, a graduate and been teaching students of knowledge and adults, men and women, for many, many years. He's moved recently from a year ago or two, a year and a half ago from Minnesota. He's joined our community, alhamdulillah. Uh, so he's an IT professional as well. So he's uh, and but he uh, alhamdulillah is teaching on the weekend here. Uh, number uh, two on Sunday, we'll have um, three classes taught from ten to Dhuhr the history and development of fiqh, the history and the development of fiqh. It's so important because people have no idea why you need to follow fiqh. Just, just throw it out. I'm just going to open up a book and follow whatever I want to. You know, we have a full uh, 14th century developed system of laws. Right from the Quran and Sunnah. How did that happen? You got to know that story. Number two, introduction to hadith sciences. What is a hadith that is weak? What is a hadith that's fabricated? What is a hadith that is authentic? How do you go about understanding that? We just hear these words thrown around. But what is the terminology? What's the science behind that terminology? That is a book, that is a class called An Introduction to Hadith Science. And lastly is Aqidah. Belief. Why you believe what you believe in. Part one. This semester will cover part one. Next semester, inshallah, will cover part two. So classes are held in the mornings here on site at Darussalam and online through Zoom. And uh, you'll have Labor Day weekend off, Thanksgiving weekend off. And the, the last day of class will be December 17th. So August 20th to December 17th. And uh, the details can be found in registration for at masjidds.org. Tafim. Alhamdulillah. If for the entire semester, it's like $220, right? And if someone cannot afford it, genuinely, genuinely cannot afford it, then you send an email and say, you know what, this is my situation, can you assist me? Uh, so we try to make it as affordable. Past three years, we actually, it was 300 before. We reduced it even further to make it as affordable as possible because we feel that this is fardain. Every single Muslim needs to know, you know, some deen. So we don't teach Arabic. It's all the subjects are taught in English so to make it easy for everyone so please consider signing up your sons your daughters and yourselves ideal thing is you come with your family come with your wife come with your son come with your daughter make it a family uh, you know g- gathering uh, inshallah that will be great for your bonding as well